I'm from L.A. Dot, California A. Hot, they got shade, let me take you round the way. A lot of out of towners can't handle this city where you wear the wrong color and it can't get tricky. But that was 86 and. Hello from Hollywood and welcome to the greatest show on grass podcast. I'm your host and ringmaster, Joshua Newman, and I'm joined today by Tanisha Singleton. The Greatest Show on Grass explores the past, present, and future of the recently reborn Los Angeles Rams. That was L.A. by MERS, featured on episode two of HBO's Hard Knocks, which we'll be discussing at length later. Plus... Okay, do you just comb it? Uh, do you comb it back? Do you part it? Or I part it to the side. Okay. I get a haircut at the Golden Ram Barbershop in Westminster, California. But first, let's talk about last week's game against the Dallas Cowboys. The Rams played in Southern California for the first time since December 24th, 1994, and for the first time at the Los Angeles Coliseum since December 16th, 1979. 89,140 were in attendance, including appearances by Drew Barrymore, Clayton Kershaw, Lindsey Vaughn, Rebecca Grant, Magic Johnson, Suicide Squad's Karen Fukuhara, long-suffering Rams fan Ty Burrell, uh, and yours truly. No, it's not an episode of The Love Boat. It is uh, the Rams being back at the Coliseum. We haven't, I mean, we've been talking about our different relationships with the Rams from the beginning. We kind of called it, you know, like the... We're our own personal 30 for 30, you being closer to 30-year fan and me closer to the 30-day fan, which a lot of us out here are going to be doing now, especially a lot of these 89,000. Those were a lot of people that probably have never been to a football game before, mm-hmm. that maybe never paid attention to the Rams before, but now they are. So me watching it at home, that novelty was certainly there. The goosebumps that you could feel from the television and just from the theatrics of it all, I think, was really, really amazing. But it deflated for me very quickly in the first play. <laughs> the first play was rough. The, the first, first play was rough. rough. What was it like there? Because on the TV on my end, it felt like a, oh, are you kidding me? Like, I was audibly laughing. Like, are, <laughs> what? Are you serious? Like, so the play that we're talking about, opening kickoff for a touchdown return. Yeah. You know, I it's I went into this game not really caring about who won and who mm-hmm. lost and um had a lot of trouble hating Dallas after Jerry Jones was so responsible mm-hmm. for bringing the Rams to LA. Mm-hmm. Um that being said, um I was kind it was kind of a cold shower of a moment. <laughs> when uh, the Cowboys took it to the house on the opening kick. I noticed a lot on social media, because I'm one of those people that if I'm at home, I like to have you know my second screen available. I like to check what's going on on Twitter, on social media. I like to tweet my thoughts constantly. I like to look up the hashtags and see what's trending and what's going on. And there was a, well, they're back in, in regular season shape. Yeah. 13 seconds in, there yeah. we go. I mean, the first thing I tweeted was uh, the emoji of a foot and the emoji of a gun. Yeah. Like, they just shot themselves in the foot again in 13 seconds. But it wears off, and you just have to laugh about it because well, special I mean, teams, it's its one play, obviously, in well, the first Let's be game. real. Let's be real. This is not a good team, you know? This, is, this team is on a, you know, it's not going to 
contend this year. Sure. Um, I don't it's think the youngest thinks. team in the league for the third Are year they? in a row. Um, yeah, their oldest. There's something There's, strange when your most mature player is William Hayes. Um, <laughs> I was just about to say, and yeah, what, he's young, like 31. 31. That's yeah. a young team. Um, so look, I mean, we have. It, it's hard not to like with all of that drama to not get caught up on it sure. and say, you know, and look, I mean, the last time a lot of people saw the Rams play in the Coliseum was Heaven Can Wait with, you know, mm -hmm. uh, Tom Jarrett running the ball in to, for a winning touchdown against the mm -hmm. Steelers. Um, a lot of people in that stadium probably only knew the Rams from Heaven Can Wait or from the movies uh, watching them in L.A. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think as the game went on, the, the starters played really poorly. Um, Jared Goff did not look confident uh, Four behind nine. center. Yeah, and I think, I don't know, with Keenum out there to start, and he, he played well. I mean, he was 6-7, mm -hmm. and but just collectively as a team, I wasn't expecting a whole lot. I did notice, though, my arms were kind of folded by the end of the first quarter, and the mm -hmm. score was just kind of, it just felt lopsided. Yeah. And I was like, what is going on? Like, why are my arms folded? This feels weird. And then I looked it up, and the time of possession that they had, they were tripled by the end of the first quarter. Mm -hmm. I believe the, the Cowboys had, like, the ball for over six minutes, and the Rams just had it for two. Yeah, I, that, that's a little unusual. I think the a team being able to run the ball against the Rams yeah. like that and is gonna is probably a, a preseason hiccup that won't translate to the regular season. But this, the 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 dysfunction on offense, I would expect that to continue. And I think, look, I think there's an important point here. You can be excited about the Rams being back, about becoming a Rams fan, about Los Angeles having a football team, and at the same time. Uh, not have a Super Bowl winning team sure. the first year. Most most of the thir 32 teams <laughs> aren't going to have Super Bowl winners this year. Right. I don't think the Rams are going to be one of those teams. I think they're going in the right direction. Totally. For sure. Uh, I think there are a lot of stars on the team. Absolutely. Um, and I think they're young. And I think they, one thing we're learning from Hard Knocks, they they really like each other. Yeah. Um. And that so, stuff, yeah. stuff that, that type of stuff translates on the field when you can play for each other. And just like you said, I think there's a lot of promise with the Rams. And I don't think anyone has serious expectations, like you said, of being a Super Bowl contender. That's just un, like, no. And that's, not, <laughs> and that's the that's not what I you know, I was I wasn't even thinking about that at the game. You were thinking like, about everything. I was thinking else. about I mean, it was, you know, just to see football, you know, people wearing their father's jerseys from the 70s or mm -hmm. you know tweeting photos of themselves in LA Rams gear from mm -hmm. the 1970s them as kids you know and yeah. or uh, there was this guy one guy who um brought a photo a framed photo of his late father and sat it in his father's oh, seat where his father had had season tickets oh, uh, wow. since 1946 yeah, i mean that's, that's this was um most people don't get to experience like something yeah. like this. Um, teams don't return to the cities that mm -hmm. whose hearts they broke. Mm -hmm. um, so this, you know, it was, you know, a lot of Rams fans talked about getting teary eyed when the team came out of the tunnel, and and you know, I think it it almost caught us by surprise how excited 
we got with two minutes left when the Rams got the yes. ball and had a chance to to win the game. A useless preseason game with Still. third stringers playing fourth stringers, but it got loud and. Uh, I feel like that's yeah. when it became a game. Yeah. Like at that moment, they had the ball, two-minute drill, let's go. Yeah. Because you were robbed of that at the half. You thought, all right, we got time, we got our rookie in there, let's, you know, maybe we can, uh, you know, make a play, make a run, get some momentum going into the half, and that didn't happen. And, but you have, I think you described it perfectly because there is something much deeper going on, and there was a game going on beyond the game, you know, and the football was just more of like a backdrop or a palette of something that stood for yep. a culture and something much, much larger. But at that moment when they had a chance to win and they did, like that's yeah. when it became a football game. And I'm wondering, I listened to an interview, it was on like ESPN LA with um, with Gurley after the game and they were like, when do you think the novelty is going to wear off? Like when do you think LA is going to be, all right, it's it's season time now. Like it's, it's no longer going to be about these prized moments of, mm -hmm. you know, framed pictures of our late relatives. You know, when is it going to get into a football game? And he didn't know how to answer it. And he, and he couldn't, he's like, I don't know, like maybe mid season. But to me, I, what do you think? When do you think it's going to turn into a regular football season? And, <clears throat> and, and when is it going to, when is the novelty, if ever going to wear off? Is it going to take a season? Is it going to take that, kind of two minute drill with a chance to make the playoffs? Is it going to take one of those like, all right, we're on the bubble and now it's, it's showtime. Something I think, equivalent look, to I that? think there are different, it's definitely a good question. I think there are different tiers of fans from the, like totally. bring back the Los Angeles Rams crew mm -hmm. who likened the Rams leaving to a kind of divorce yeah. where your child lives with your, your ex significant other. And then you mm -hmm. get that child back. Um, I don't think that's gonna ever wear off. I don't think you're, you're never gonna get tired of right. of your child, whether they trip and fall or bring back a, a C on a test. Um, well. That love, yeah, <laughs> well, we'll see. Um, but you know, I think you know for the bandwagon fans who are just excited to have football in LA and yeah. who still who already maybe have a team that they're rooting for and are sort of thinking of the Rams as their second team, sure, yeah. interest is going to wane when the Ram if and when the Rams go start off the season one and four, which, yeah. they, which they could easily do. Right. Um, and then, you know, but then again, then you're thinking about the long play, the children of those right. people, the new generation of diehard right. fans. Um, they have football in their city, and mm -hmm. these, you know, they're, they're going to grow up seeing – the blue and gold against that sky, mm -hmm. the same way that the diehards today grew up on it with, with posters on the wall of Gurley and Donald, the way, you know, the diehards mm -hmm. had of Deacon Jones and Roman Gabriel. And um, so it's hard to say, you know, I, I definitely predict a hiccup in September. There's going to be, look, they're going to have two national TV shows, ton of hype, ton of overexposure, Rookie quarterback, tough division. Um, that's a lot of distraction. That's a lot on, for, like you said, the youngest team. team. That's a lot for a young for a team. A lot of distractions, and it, yeah, and it's the distractions of the city too. It's a tough market. There's all of this pressure that's on them. That's on Goff. That's on Jeff Fisher. Yeah. There's just so much pressure, and I remember listening to uh, a a post game from the 
the VP of football operations, Kevin Demoff. Yep. And he had said, hey, man, this is L.A. There's nine professional teams. There's two major universities. We're fighting for fans' attention. Mm-hmm. We're reminding fans, rebranding fans how to be professional football sure. uh, attendees again. There's a, We have to figure out how we can compete with their wallet share. There's a lot that's going on that's... That's that's riding on this team, and I think, I think there's going to be a lot of distraction talk. It has to, and it's... I think it's a little exaggerated. I think part of the distract what the part of what the distraction talk presumes is that they're not without without the distraction they, they do well. They would, yeah, excel. They, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we have to keep in mind this is one of the worst offenses in the NFL. Worst on third down. Yeah. It's, worst receiving core, hands down, among the worst. You know, you know, you talk about wide receiver and left tackle. I mean, like, um, r- left tackle, worst in the league. Rookie quarterback. These receivers. I mean, dumb and dumber, as uh, <laughs> as Fisher called them on Hard Knocks. I was. Yeah. Wondering, we'll talk about that later. Um, it's just look. You can. It's a very strong defense. Could be stronger than last year. Special teams are always solid. Um, you know, if, if a lot, if everything goes perfectly, they could be a good offensive team, but they're also an offense, just one injury away or yes. two injuries away from abject disaster. Yes. Um, I guess most NFL teams, um, True. if they lose a key player, are going to lose more than a few games yeah. than they would have otherwise. But, but with these extra lights shining on the Rams, mm-hmm. everything is going to be, like you said, hyper exaggerated and just super saturated with the expectations of Super Bowl when, like you said, like, let's be realistic. And that's why I'm curious, watching this first game, it just, I got more questions than I did, you know, solid answers in terms of like, all right, well, are they going to be stubborn and just ride Goff for the entire season, regardless of if he performs well? Are they going to start Keenum and then maybe have a mid-season act Two and bring in Goff, you know, as you know, with this hero cape on. Like, here's our number one pick. Let's go. Like, maybe week five or six or something like that. I just got more questions than I did, uh, like solid answers. And that's typical for a first season game. You know, yeah. you're you're seeing third and fourth. You're seeing people, you know, try and and win jobs. Yep. Uh, but hey, in terms of the actual game, they got the W. Yeah. They made adjustments because what had my arms folded with, are you serious? Are you going to have the ball for two five minutes? But at the end, like, they had more first downs, more total yards, more, more rushing, rushing yards, more pass, yeah. more time of possession. They, they they got it back, and they kind of figured it out um, with their third string. So I I was happy, and I, and that's, that's what reminded me of, like, all right, this is no longer that much of a novelty anymore. It's it's football, and that's what I miss about the summer yeah. and and the spring. It's just, let me see some football. And so now this kind of reminded it reminded me that that it's here and it's in my backyard. And that's super, that's super fucking exciting. Darling, don't you go and cut your hair. Do you think it's gonna make him change? Um, that was Pavement with Cut Your Hair off their 1994 album, Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain. 1994 was also the year that the Rams played their last time in Southern California before moving to St. Louis. 
as well as the year that Sal Martinez opened the Golden Ram Barbershop. The Westminster, California Golden Ram is so much more than a barbershop, decorated in wall-to-wall jerseys, posters, photos, helmets, and news clippings. For nearly 22 years, it was a living memorial to a beloved franchise and now serves as a meeting place and quasi-museum, celebrating the team's return. Martinez has been a Rams fan since he was seven years old, and he even has the Roman Gabriel and Deacon Jones posters from his childhood room on display to prove it. I decided to get a haircut and talk to Martinez about his emotions during the first preseason game against the Cowboys. It's just exciting seeing the fans, uh, um, you know, coming together. When we set up, I, you know, we set up our tailgate and, um, you know, fans were coming by and sharing their stories and just the, the look on their face, it's like every Ram fan, longtime Ram fan, we all share the same emotions. We've all been through it all. And for it to finally end like this, I followed it closely from the beginning for all together probably five years of the relocation. So my license plate says Rams to LA, and I got that in 2010. Wow. I was pretty confident they, were, they would be coming home. And so people would look at me like I was crazy, but... Ultimately, it came it came true. So, what'd you wear uh, Saturday? What what jersey? Actually, I, I took the Jack Youngblood jersey. Nice to wear into the Coliseum. But um, I just you know, there's so many great players that you could honor. A lot of the jerseys I have are they're game worn jerseys, so they don't really um, they're fitted jerseys, so they don't really they're not that comfortable. But it's nice. It's part of a collection, but. So I always have a young blood. I always honor oh, uh, Captain Blood. You know, he uh, he's been instrumental in a lot of things. He helped raise a lot of young, you know, guys my age. You know, he was just the John Wayne of the NFL. So when you finally get into the Coliseum and you're and the players are warming up on the field and the stands are filling up with blue and yellow jerseys, wow. what were the emotions like? For you then I was looking around and as the stadium was, was filling up I was just thinking of all those great players that have actually taken the field you know all the way back to uh, Van Brockman, Bob Waterfield, Pearson Forrest, I mean just great players uh, Dick Nitrain Lane I mean just all these great players that have actually taken the field at the Coliseum the peristyle and you know that's where my seats are I'm in 14L, row 46. I like to see the peristyle. That's what it, that's what captured me as a kid. I remember seeing that, and it's so um, historical to many fans. So that was my view I wanted to see. So we're, our section was actually shaded. That's one of the reasons why I chose it. So it was kind of nice, but all the, just all these players that I remember seeing as a kid and being able to share it, but I could almost feel the, the heartbeat of every Ram fan that was in that stadium that day. After, you know, giving up the opening kickoff for a touchdown, the Rams needed to definitely recover and kind of, uh, um, you know, they needed to win the hearts over of a lot of casual fans, and I think they did with uh, the way they kept battling back preseason or not. Yeah, I went in not really feeling like I cared who, who won. I just was there to enjoy the, the fact that they were there, mm-hmm. the scenery, the, the uniforms on the field, the feeling of sitting with other Rams fans watching this this team that you've been loving from from far away for so long but then as the game went on I, I seemed to 
care a lot more about them actually actually winning it and by the last two minutes I was I was really at the edge of my feet like uh, edge of my seat like a lot of people it got really loud at the end um, yeah it was a, it was amazing I think the great part about it was that um, that's what I and I uh, definitely shed a tear when the Rams were announced as uh, your Los Angeles Rams when they came out from under the tunnel that was an emotional play but also I got emotional towards the end when we scored that touchdown to take the lead and, and to ultimately win the game, I said, because that showed so much fight, you know, for a young team. It's easy to, to just say it's only preseason, but when you've been losing like the Rams have, you know, for, you know, 10 years, you have to. Every little victory matters, especially in L.A. I mean, people only, people don't say, you know, the first question they ask is, what, what was the score? They want to know the final score. It doesn't matter if it's preseason or not. You have to win in Los Angeles. But another thing that I was impressed about was how quickly the uh, the LA Ram fans, um, you know, they were quickly uh, established and they kind of they gave the Rams a home field advantage real quick. The Cowboy fans are always uh, they always travel well, but it was nice the way the Rams the Ram fans were able to battle them and, and make them. Um, you know, respect the Coliseum. So I thought that was really important, and so that was exciting to what, see develop. Which them. players impressed you for the Rams? Uh, I expected uh, Mannion to play well like that because I'm a fan of Mannion. I You're a big Sean. Well. I've never met as big a Sean Mannion fan. Well, I just like what he could do. I think that sometimes, in, you know, sometimes quarterbacks get too excited, and he has this really calm demeanor. He does. Where he's just productive, and sometimes that's all you need. You don't need a big-name player. You just need to be part of a team. And I think he gets it. He's, he's been really, really productive. I mean, broke a lot of passing records. and I just think he's really efficient with the football. And, and so that's what impressed me. I just like guys that are just solid all the time. Yeah. A lot of bemoaning in the last couple of years that the Rams spent the number three pick on Sean Mannion. And now it turns out, we were bemoaning the wrong number three pick. <laughs> Turns out it was Trey Mason we should have been uh, bemoaning. Yeah, that's true. What other players impressed you uh, during the game? Uh, Tyler Higby, the tight end, definitely. And uh, um, and then, uh, of course, uh, uh, Nelson Spruce. You know, he reminds me of another uh, Danny Amendola. I mean, he's fearless across the middle. And players like that are role players. You definitely have to find a spot on the roster for players like that because those are uh, – difference makers in the game yep and the problem with that is he got injured so he's going to be out two weeks but the hard part is is that he's going to miss two preseason games so it's going to be kind of a pickle i mean he's you know from westlake village so he, you know southern california we know of this guy how productive he is went to college and um, was productive there so he is just he moves the chains and he's constant i mean he's all hard. i have a good feeling i don't think that given the way he performed i don't think they're gonna let him slip through their fingers i, I wouldn't let him no because you have to find a roster spot for players like that because those guys make a big difference they you know you may you don't have to be the fastest or the quickest you just have to know how to attack the football and that's what he does he you know he's he's banged up because he's you know he plays hard and guys like that are quickly uh, fan favorites and I don't, I don't have my glasses on because I'm getting my hair cut. And, and your walls are sort of a giant yellow and blue blur to me right now. But <laughs> I'm wondering, what are some of your favorite um, images on the walls of your barbershop? Uh, probably that one of my favorites is uh, 
Eric Dickerson right here. Uh, that was against the 49ers. That was his rookie year. When uh, I mean, I was shocked when the Rams uh, uh, traded uh, Wendell Tyler to the 49ers because he was a productive running back, and I thought it was a huge gamble because Dickerson, Eric Dickerson, you know, he would, uh, uh, him and Craig James would share, you know, carries in, in college. So Dickerson only averaged like 15 carries a game in college. And I thought, that's a lot to, you know, to put that load onto a running back that only carried 15 times. But I guess John Robinson understood what he was looking at and, and uh, definitely paid off. You know? He understood he had fresh legs. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah from that but uh, he was so smooth, though. It was amazing seeing a guy that tall be able to run through defenses like he did. That's huge. How big is that photo? God, that's, I think it's like uh, three feet by six feet. Wow. Yeah. yeah, that was one of my favorite pictures. And in the background, you can see it says, uh, it says Eric Koo. You know, oh, wow. Yeah. And then is, you see a nice block. This by, is in uh, Candlestick, I guess. Yeah, that was at Candlestick. Wow. You see, uh, David Hill making a nice block. You know. David Hill's son. Yeah, is uh, receiver, yeah. trying to make it on the uh, Rams crowded uh, receiver competition. And then, of course, that picture right here of Eric Dickerson, where he was, uh, he just ran over uh, Jack Del Rio of the Saints, you know. <laughs> oh, which one? Oh, I'm, one I'm totally yeah. blind. Yeah, it's right above. Oh, right the, here. Uh, okay. Yeah, above the gun ball. Wow. Yeah, that was Jack Del Rio. Oh, and he's the himself. Yeah. coach of the Raiders now. Yeah. So that's yeah. become even more relevant. Yeah, exactly. And then that was when uh, John Robinson was presenting Dickerson with the uh, with the ball after uh, he broke uh, OJ's record of uh, rushing record. When I was a kid growing up, when the Rams first came to Southern California, their first season was 1946 at the Coliseum. And I always thought, God, it would have been awesome to be able to be there in the Coliseum when the Rams first came to Southern California. I said, to be able to have a second chance to, to watch a team, how many people could say I was at the very first exhibition game in Southern California when we set an NFL record for most attendance in an NFL uh, preseason game? Yeah. I mean, that's something to, to you know, enjoy and, and also, when Seattle Seahawks won the Super Bowl, I think they drew something like 700,000 fans for a parade. And I said, you know what? We can get over a million in Los Angeles when we win the Super Bowl. I said, you know what? We'd have to have a parade in LA. OJ, OJ got a million just driving his Ford Bronco down the uh, highway. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. LA is, uh, there's no place like Los Angeles. That was the Hard Knocks theme song. Um, episode two of Hard Knocks uh, is now history. Hard Knocks does such a great job of being a drama and having the highs, the lows, the conflict, the success. It's never about just one person. Mm -hmm. It's about a full team coverage, and Hard Knocks does a great job of that. It's spotlighting everyone. Everyone seems to get like their minutes, so I'm aware of so many more characters and people and and, and mermaids you I called mean. it you called it back in uh, <laughs> like april early. yeah like f1 go back i called this mermaid shit because chris long who's now on the pats but he will didn't have um a, he wasn't very prominent on twitter at the time 
and, and Instagram, but now he's got an Instagram and he's posting all of this stuff too. Okay. Um, so, but, so Chris Long has kind of been like the Will Hayes microphone filming him and talking about this dude for real believes in mermaids. <laughs> it's like this dude for real doesn't believe in dinosaurs. Yep. And all of that came out. And I was surprised that they had all the, the, the toy dinosaurs like in his cubby, like in his locker. But I mean, I was just cracking up because I don't care how many times I hear it because it wasn't new yeah. to me, that episode, that scene, but it just still makes me laugh so much more. Him and Kush, Eric Kush, are like my two favorite human beings on the planet now. Yeah, they're so funny. They're These guys hilarious. are really, really funny. I mean, Fat I Fat Arm Friday. I haven't. <laughs> like from his tank tops. How about that crazy <laughs> robot tackling dummy oh that God. Case Keenum made attack Tavon Austin? I was like legitimately cracking up. Like (laughs) Like I I would have fake laughed either way because I want to love this show so badly. But you didn't. But I legitimately (laughs) cracked up. Yeah, so funny. These guys are so such big characters. Just such big characters, and that's what I love about Hard Knocks. And now, kind of selfishly, that it's it's the Rams. It makes sense that it's the Rams. This is the first time that they've had the number one pick in Hard Knocks uh, history. Um, so obviously there's gonna be just a little bit more on Goff, um, but that's mostly to see if he can live up to that. That's where the conflict and all that rise and progressive complications comes into when you're talking about narrative storytelling. Um, you have to see if he's gonna succeed by the end of the season, by the end of the show, but. What do you think of him personally? I liked him until he said Lakers over Clippers. And well, I, until I he said you, Justin Bieber yeah. over Justin Timberlake, I was like, all right. <laughs> yeah, I was actually surprised. He had a good explanation. He for did. Bieber. It was yeah, closer he said because to his, he was closer. I to forgot his age. he's twelve. Yeah. So. I mean, Justin Timberlake is like to him what Sinatra is to me. Kind of, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was surprised he didn't say the Warriors because he's a Bay Area guy. Yeah, that's true. So, but I don't know. I felt like the Lakers line. I gave him a pass because I thought he was saying it because he was supposed to. Yeah. Because everyone's supposed to say they're a Lakers fan out here and not a Clippers fan, mm-hmm. like me. In case you didn't know. Uh, yeah, I heard. <laughs> but uh, I, I, other than that snafu, um, I like him. I think <laughs> the coverage of the first game was funny because I just see his eyes bugging out. And like now he gets yeah. how fast this game really is and yeah. how much bigger they are uh, at this level, mm-hmm. which is the highest level in this sport. And I, I'm really rooting for him. Do you think it's weird that the show isn't addressing Trey Mason at all? Like, I think it's kind of strange. Like, yeah, I'm wondering like, if it's going to come up. Yeah. Because I'm not sure, like, how it's, they're taping, but it's not that far removed. Yeah. As of this recording, uh, Trey Mason is still in Florida, still hasn't had been in touch with the team for since the end of last season and most recently was in an ATV chase with the, mm. with the cops. Um, also, yeah. I think he threatened to, to call the White House on them. <laughs> um, so there's some, there's yeah. some um, problems going on right, there. Right, right. And I, meanwhile, I, the, the Rams running backs that they brought in, undrafted free agents, um, Malcolm Brown in his second year and Aaron Green who caught, caught the winning touchdown look, right. look like keepers. So uh, he's, you know probably out of a job right now and um but i do find it a little bit strange um that uh that you know 
it's not being addressed. We also, I think it's strange that Stedman Bailey didn't become a, a character on this show. Yeah. Um, it's what does a guy got to do to get <laughs> like, on what, hard knocks? He got shot in the head for God's sakes. <laughs> like, come on. Like maybe it'll come up a little bit later, but that's what I think is one of the other great things about hard knocks. And is that football, it's so hard to, to get attached to these people and to know what their personalities are like half the time. Now, if you see a headline of a football player, it's something negative. Mm-hmm. You're expecting the worst. There's a colleague of mine who's been writing a bunch of articles about um, drafting a fantasy football team, but she's drafting an ethical football team. Mm. That's what she's calling. She's only drafting people that are social advocates, that are positive, good people, Mm -hmm. and not, you know, they don't have any negative resume whatsoever, which I, at first I was like, good for you. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, wait, that kind of upsets me. (laughs) Because if I was one of the good guys, well, First of all, like football period, it's hard to attach and know these people. You can't look them in the eye. They've got helmets on. Sure. It's so hard Plus to Plus a lot of the guys that are considered the good guys are actually the bad guys. And a lot of the bad guys, I mean, when the Rams did the hands up, don't shoot, they were right. they were considered bad guys. I thought they were the most ethical guys in, in all of football. Is there a, is there a guy, there, for me, there one guy jumps out, but a player who you like a lot more now that you've gotten to the, know them a little bit on Hard Knocks? I'll say one of the guys, well, I mentioned Eric Cush. Like, he was someone that I just like, all right, I just want to be your neighbor and hang out with you and ride around in your Jeep because he's like, you know, this, that, do you see that tricked out thing that he calls a vehicle? Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. It's insane. Um, so he's one that, just in terms of awareness, like now I'm understanding like, all right, this is the center and he's funny as hell. I don't know where he came from. Like he's also getting first team reps. I mean, yeah. I, isn't Tim Barnes the center? I haven't even I was like, seen okay, Tim Barnes. Okay, Kush. And, but uh, Aaron, Aaron Donald Pitt, like obviously he's one of those guys where I was like, obviously I know he's a stud. Yeah. But after also seeing like, I don't know, his ping pong skills, just personally, on a personal level, in terms of like his personality and, and how he interacts with guys, you don't know that type of stuff just watching Sundays. But I see that he's, they love him. Yeah. He's just such a ham yeah. too, and he's competitive. Yeah. And so definitely eyes are on Aaron and and Kush. Those are two that that really stood out to me. They're like, all right. I find I, myself really liking Tavon Austin now. Yeah. And I was super critical of him. Um, yeah, he, he, he certainly had a breakout season last year. He's not a number one type receiver. He's you know a gimmick player. Um, end rounds returns. Um, you know, hopefully he'll improve his slot receiving. So as a player, I've been a little disappointed mm-hmm. that they traded up for him. Yeah, I, it looks like they they buy in. They're all in. They support him. They love him. I totally agree with that. And just like I said, with that, that switch that players have, he has one too. And yep. he wasn't tolerating, you know, he said in the first episode um, that he wasn't tolerating the seven to nine bullshit. That's why he cut Dion. And <laughs> this was hilarious from that first episode. I, I feel like, or William Hayes could just have his own talk that's show. That's what I want. Yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, that's what I want. I want them all to just, not them all, but definitely Will Hayes. And even if it's like the Hayes and Kush show, <laughs> I'd be stoked <laughs> if, they, if the two of them ended up just going into something together. Like that would just be to me, just make them live together. Like, Good one. Just make them like the real... 
Rams players of LA or something instead of like the housewives of LA just like the real Rams of LA and just have them to live in a house during the season and just real world that shit and just put cameras <laughs> in the kitchen and the bar and the bathroom and the hot tub and everything I'd, I'm all in DVR I am too <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Greatest Show on Grass podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and spread the word to friends who enjoy football, Hollywood history, and, of course, the Los Angeles Rams. Up where they walk, up where they run, up where they stay all day in the sun, wandering free. Wish I could be part of that world.